It's time for Mac Geek Gab, and I'll bring us our quick tip of the week with changing the color of your lock screen widgets. I was messing around with my phone. I put a new picture on my lock screen. I actually like, I take a lot of pictures at concerts because I go to a lot of concerts, and I always pick one as sort of my main lock screen for my normal focus mode. And whatever one I picked, the for whatever reason, I couldn't see my widgets anymore. The like the, the, the you know I have like the weather and the stocks up there, uh, you know below the clock and all of that. And the the time was fine, but I just couldn't see the text on my widgets. And I went into the widgets and I'm trying to change the color of them. The place that you change the color of your lock screen widgets is by tapping on and stylizing the clock. Whatever color you set the clock to is what your widgets will inherit. More quick tips like this, plus your questions answered today on Mac Geek Gab 1008 for Monday, November 6th, 2023. <laughs> Greetings, folks, and Welcome, indeed, to Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in your quick tips like that, your cool stuff found, your questions. We try to answer your questions. We try to share your quick tips and cool stuff found. We share as many of them as we can in an order that makes it such that we are each most likely to learn at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode, again, sometimes we even play that sound when we learn something especially uh, exciting, at least exciting for us. It might be exciting for you too. Hopefully something is. Sponsors for this episode include fastmail.com slash MGG. That's where you're going to go to get 10% off your, your first year of the email provider that I've been using for five, six, seven years. I don't know how long. Uh, we'll talk more about that in a little bit here. For now, back here on Terra Firma in uh, Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in Lee, New Hampshire, it's Pilot Pete. And that opening quick tip, Dave, if you'd asked me how to do it, I couldn't have told you, but I already did it. So yeah, oh, I, I had done it. Found it, but yeah. yeah. I had done it in the past, but I, and so I knew it was doable, but I was like, right. man, I guess maybe I'm going to have to find a different picture. I'm like, this is stupid. And so, you know, I just kept tapping around and, and then hit it. And as soon as I tapped on the clock, the whole like color palette, you know, it was like, oh, Comes this up. is where you do oh, it. Yeah. It's just super okay. obvious. And so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you can change the font in there and everything. It's cool. Yeah. Pete, um, 5,862 is the number. Okay. Got it. Yep. That's the number. Is this going to be, am I going to be tested on it later? No, no. That's (laughs) (laughs) that's the number of days that it took between the day that I met Pilot Pete and the day that I actually flew in a plane with Pilot Pete at the cockpit, at the at the controls. I think we may have flown in a plane, like like a commercial plane, to or from a thing at one point. I think so too. At Maybe, one point. but yeah. But with yeah. you in the controls, uh, that was earlier this morning. Uh, we're we're recording this on Friday the third. So, yep, it was five hundred five thousand eight hundred sixty two days because we met. Well, let's not wait another fifty eight sixty two to do that again. Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah. Um, I brought yep. Dave along because, uh, you know, I, I wanted someone to be able to take over in case I didn't remember what I was doing. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> he showed me a couple of things just in case. That's so, right. Yeah, yeah. The tech. Well, I, I think uh, you were duly impressed with some of the technology that is available to 
to pilots, even in small airplanes anymore, what's available on an iPad, the information that is just there at your fingertips is astounding. And it's so much easier than it was 40 years ago when I was learning to fly. I mean, so I, I've, I've flown small planes before with an instructor. I've also flown a helicopter with an instructor. I don't, I've never, it's fun, man. Uh, I really (laughs) liked it. Um, The guy said something. He handed me each of the controls. There's three controls in the, in the helicopter. He handed me them one at a time and then he would take it back and, you know, then he gave me two at a time. And then he's like, I think maybe, and we're, we're not hovering at this point. We're, you know, at 3000 feet going, you know, a hundred knots or something like that. Okay. Like, you know, we're moving and he, he handed me all three. He's like, I think you can do this. And I did. And, and then he asked me, wait, are you a drummer? And I said, yeah. And he's like, that's it, man. I don't know what it is, uh, but drummers learn something about like coordinate because you're applying pressure with your hand and your feet sort of counter to each other. You do that in a, in a fixed wing plane too, but not nearly to the degree that you do sort of constantly in a, in a helicopter. And he's like, it's something about drummers that you learn how to feel that. He's like, I always have an easier time teaching drummers, but anyway, yeah. uh, I I don't know where I was going that we, we were, we We were were up at tech. Oh yeah. We were up at Oh dark 30 this morning. So it's been a long day already. Uh, I, have always maintained an interest in aviation. And uh, though I haven't been doing it much lately, I used to play flight simulator all the time and I would plan like, uh, you know, I got the yoke and the rudder pedals and all that stuff. And, uh, and I was actually using X plane, not flight simulator. So we'll put X plane yeah. in, uh, in the, in the show notes. And I would, you know, plan these like, you know, cross country trips or whatever. And, and, you know, fly the waypoints and all of that. And I would go and download from ForeFlight the plates for each of the airports that show you the approach path and all of that stuff. So when you started doing that in the plane today, it was like, oh, my gosh, like not only do I understand at a basic level what you're doing, like I've literally used those same plates before. Right. You know, I would print out I would download them as PDFs and print them out. But you had them on your iPad. And then what blew me away was it showed your plane overlaid on these plates on the approach plate. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, these are approach plates that show you the, the orientation and location of the runways. And then they also uh, tell you what frequencies your, uh, your, you need to tune your radios to, and they show you the approach path, like get to this waypoint and then, you know, come in at, at this heading and do this. And you want to be at this altitude here. And it, like all the instructions yeah. are right there. And, but so I was like intimately familiar with these things. And especially I, I, I flew to Lebanon, which is where we went today yeah. from Pease and Rochester many times. So this was a flight that like I had done when you okay. were looking back and forth at the plate to put in the waypoints. I almost just told you what they were because yeah. I knew <laughs> like feet. I used to do this all the time. But um, just it was blew my mind to see how integrated it all is. And then it shows you all the planes around you. And this is just on a normal iPad right? with the ForeFlight yeah. app, correct? Exactly. Yeah, That's exactly. it. Yeah. And the ForeFlight is a it's a paid subscription. But for what you get, it's not very much. I want to say it 
140, 150 a year or something I like that. I think it's even less than that because I downloaded yeah. the app yesterday and it gave me like a month free. Uh, I had never okay. downloaded the app before and it was like, oh my gosh, like I can, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, and, and the, you know, it tells you, hey, look, you're about, you're approaching a certain airspace or you're pro- approaching terrain ahead. You know, you're too low. You've got rising terrain. Uh, and then I had, you also saw I had the Sentry, S-E-N-T-R-Y, which is, it gives me AHRS, A-H-R-S, which is Attitude Heading Reference System, and adds B, in other words, a traffic around me. It yep. gives me the traffic around me, the altitude, that sort of thing. And yes. then finally, the yep. most important thing, carbon monoxide detection. Oh, well, there's that, <laughs> so you don't too. wake up dead. As sort of a bonus, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like, that thing was cool because, you like, on yeah. your iPad, which you're able to affix to the yoke, the, the steering yeah. wheel, for those of you. Yep. Uh, he had his iPad, like, right there on the yoke. And so there's this digital screen, obviously, because it's the iPad. In addition to all the normal instruments that you'd have in, in a plane that are, you know, kind of affixed to the plane. But then there was a, we saw a plane kind of, crossing in front of our nose. I mean, it was a safe distance and altitude. It wasn't a problem, but we saw and that's it. That's our story and we're stuck with it. You got it. <laughs> and uh, nobody else has to know any different. And, uh, and you just tapped on that plane, which appeared on your iPad, you know, crossing in front of us. You tapped on yeah. it and it told us heading, airspeed, type of aircraft. Like, you know, it's like you got yeah. the blood type of the pilot. So right. yeah. exactly. <laughs> it was pretty cool. Low oil pressure in the number two engine. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we had, yeah, we went over for, you called it a breakfast. The time the of day. Breakfast. Jarhead breakfast, which yeah. refers to uh, Marines. Um, and so it was mostly Marines and, and you were kind enough to include me in it today, which was great. But you, you Marines call that breakfast at that hour. We computer nerds and musicians call it a midnight snack that, well, that's, that. <laughs> that started at 7 a.m. And it's a 45 yeah. minute flight and yeah. it's a 20 minute drive from my house to the <laughs> airfield. So you folks can do the math and figure out why I've been up since 4 a.m. And so has Pete. So, yeah, yeah. But no, uh, yeah, it was a five, lot of fun. I was glad you could come along and yeah, and uh, five thousand yeah. eight hundred sixty-two days of pre-flight is is what this morning was. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Pete, you got to So like there was there was like it's interesting how much of the tech that we all talk about on this show and obviously use day in and day out has these purposes. And I was like peripherally aware that you could use an iPad in a plane. I just never. It blew me away. How? Yeah, in fact, we call it at the airline. We call it EFB, electronic flight bag. Right. So if you remember 15 years ago, pilots walking around with those great big leather cases. Yeah. And they had all their Jepson binders in there that, in that case, could weigh you know 50 pounds, oh, yeah. 50 pounds. Yeah. With all the paper in it, and that has all been supplanted by the by the iPad and the Jepson app. And there's um. Wait, what other app? Just so I can put it in the show notes. Uh, it's Jepson. It's Flight Deck Pro. Oh, okay. Got by it. Jepson. Yep. All and right. cool. um, I'll put that in there too. Yeah. Yeah. And then there was another one, but uh, yeah, being tired, the name escapes me. We used another brand for a while, and it was. Uh, he was quite alert behind the uh, yoke there. He, he was. It was yeah. all good, folks. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're but in the. Yeah, but it's amazing. This little iPad uh, replaces that entire huge bag, so now we have room for all kinds of other crap in our. Yeah our backpacks which are just as heavy as those flight bags ever were <laughs> yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> but mine include, you know includes now like a podcast microphone yeah. and stand and 
<laughs> yeah, the important things. Yeah. Great big MacBook Pro. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. It was really fun. Yeah. Yep. All right. You got a you got a quick tip for us, Pete? I, I do. Um and I, of course, my phone I'm using is my camera right now, so I can't describe it as I do it. But sure, sure. if you press and hold a, the globe at the bottom of the iOS keyboard. Okay, so I'm I'm yeah, I'm typing a new mail message. Yep. There's a globe in the lower left cam corner. Yep. yep. Press and hold that. It should come up, and you should be able to see basically a little left center or right icon. And so by doing that, if you press, say, the left one, you can hold the the it, the keyboard shrinks itself to the left side and you can type or swipe with your holding the phone in one hand right and type so you aren't having to reach all the way especially if you've got a, a, a like an i15 yeah monster iPhone phone. 15 pro max yeah, yeah, yeah. or any of the max phones um you, you need either really long thumbs or you got to hold it with two hands and this allows you to pull the screen over to the left or the right and you can type the entire keyboard with your thumb amazing that, that's yeah i i knew about this i've gotten my phone into that mode recently and i forgot yeah. how, how, how to do, do it <laughs> yeah how did i do it, it exactly yeah and, yeah. and uh more and importantly how trick. do i undo it well the good news is and i and yeah. i think this is new but it might not be when you yeah. put it into that mode if the keyboard is on the if you choose to put the keyboard on the left side or you accidentally put the keyboard on the left side on the right side will be a little sort of right facing carrot that you can uh, or chevron or whatever that we're supposed to call that yeah. thing, like a, a, a greater than sign uh, that you tap and it reverts it to a full size screen. So it, there is a an obvious hint right there on the screen. You don't need to know the magic incantation. But this is one of those reminders of hold down, you know, tap and hold on things. Don't just, you know, tapping does one thing. Tap and hold can do another and that can be uh that can be kind of fun so yeah yeah henry has our next quick tip for us he says uh it's a little convoluted if you use photo shuffle for your iphone's lock screen and you see a picture and then want to know where it is in your photo library here's how to find it go into customize mode by holding down on the lock screen image and then clicking customize. Okay, so like we were talking about at the at the okay. be beginning of the show, right? You're you're going to customize things. Then select your lock screen on the left. Tap the button in the lower right corner, the round one with three dots. Ah, okay. This brings up a menu, and at the top is the option show photo in library. Tap that, and it brings you two photos right to that picture. <laughs> so simple and intuitive, says Henry. Be careful yeah. not to alter any of your lock screen settings as you navigate through this. Don't get caught. Yeah, man. That's, oh, that's, yeah. I've, I've wondered about that because, you know, if I have my phone in like, you know, lock screen shuffle mode or photo shuffle mode, it's like, oh, wait, where's that from? And it's not like the, uh, I'm used to my Apple TV where I just, here's another quick tip, by the way. If yeah. you're on the, the screensaver on Apple TV where a drone flies you through, you know, various uh, locales around the globe, if you want to know what it is, just tap lightly. Don't click, but tap lightly on the center of the, the like directional pad on your Apple TV remote and at the bottom of the screen. It will float up and show you uh, details about the location where that footage is from. Nice. Yep. So, nice. Yeah. Fun. So press and hold then and 
is also a good thing. And then the other along those lines, you can set your photo to change based on your focus mode. Yes. Well, your whole lock screen change on your first right, focus right. mode. Yeah. 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 So, the, and that's nice because you can look at your phone and tell whether you're in the mode you want to be in or not. I feel like I've just had this conversation on this show. So it must have been, was it with you in a pre-show or post-show or was it with Jeff and Adam on episode 1007? I don't know. I feel like, it, you know, I'm it, having if, deja vu. If it was, it was the last two minutes because I listened to everything but the last two minutes. Oh, and I, then got, no. I got home and went. So Maybe it was with you. I, I don't know. But yeah. And the the handy part about that is you can also change your watch's face to do the same thing. Oh, yeah. And then you yeah. really just know, and it's a good reminder that, oh, yeah, you're still in podcasting focus mode, Dave. Uh, so you might want to not be in that because podcasting focus mode basically no makes it so that Pete you. can get through to me. That's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Pete, yeah. Shannon, Paul Kent. That's it. Th- those are the people. And and uh, there's somebody else, but oh, definitely not my family. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Kent has our next quick tip. Kent says, I suspect this is something that has affected only a minority of iPhone owners, but after upgrading to iOS 17, my wife's My Card somehow changed in contacts to a different contact. A bug for sure, but how does one go about changing it back? One would think you would go to the contact card for yourself and just tap Make This My Card. That's kind of how you do it on the Mac. There's a menu item, mm-hmm. and yeah. But on the iPhone, it's different. You have to go into settings, like the settings app, then scroll down to contacts, go to my info. And from there, you can pick your entry uh, in your contacts list. So yeah, I, I, uh, this is another one of those things. Like it's a perfect quick tip because, man, you, sometimes you don't know. You know it can yeah. be done, but where is it? Why? Can't and and I thankfully, find it? sometime back, Apple got on board with, so you didn't have to have two cards that are, you know, one's my share card and one's my regular one. When you go to share a contact, even like if I wanted to share Dave's contact information with somebody because they wanted to talk to him about Backbeat Media, I can, you know, take off his his wife's birth date or, you know, whatever. Whatever you um, want. Yeah, yeah, you get you to pick. deselect items. That, yeah. And it remembers that. Uh, oh, okay. uh, I don't know go. if That's it remembers good. it for a, another person's card, but certainly for your card, when okay. you go to share that, it remembers what you have selected as the things you want to share. And the next time you go to do it, all those same things are selected. You can obviously change them if you want, but it does remember them. And this is really handy for the new feature that I cannot remember the name of where you tap two iPhones together or whatever, and they share contacts. It honors yeah. those settings. So yeah. yeah, it used to be bump, but that was a separate app. That was a that separate app. Yeah. Apple, Apple seemed to, I think they acquired it. And then, sure. Uh, and pulled that in. Let's go with that. Let's go with uh, that. But yeah. yeah, yeah. All you have to do is is uh, smack the two phones together at the top. And, yep. Yep. And then you yeah. can start sharing things. Nice. Uh, one last quick tip for uh, for now. I, I was going to say for this episode, for this segment, uh, yeah. is that in macOS fourteen point one. So, so I'm, I'm saying this right, right? Yes, yeah, Sonoma fourteen point one. Yes. Okay. I, I just get confused iphone ios 17 like it's like dude can we all once just... they started going to cities in california i couldn't keep up the cats right. for some reason i could keep straight the locations in california sonoma so 14.1 the latest released as of the moment that we're recording the show they have brought in the messages app 
tap backs are now front and center. It used to be that you had to right click on a message. If you were going to do it with your mouse, you'd right click on a message, choose tap back, and then pick the tap back that you wanted to, uh, to, to send. Now you can do that. The option is still there, but right above it are the uh, graphics of all of the tap backs. So you just right click on a message and right at the top, you will see, uh, you know, you can select from the heart and the thumbs up and the thumbs down and, you know, the haha and all this stuff. I wish they would let me customize those like every other messaging app lets me customize those. But, you know, we're getting somewhere and um, and I like it. It's uh, yeah. Moving forward. I love it. All right. Look, in our hyper-connected world, the importance of a reliable, secure email service can't be overstated. So when it comes to choosing an email provider, wouldn't you want one with a stellar track record for prioritizing privacy? Enter our sponsor, FastMail. For over two decades, FastMail has championed email privacy. The best part, it's completely ad-free, ensuring your personal space isn't invaded by pesky ads and tracking, that's off the table. I've been using FastMail for like the last five, six, seven years. It's been fantastic. I love it. It integrates with everything. I was using it with mail. I do use it with mail on my phone. It integrated perfectly with Thunderbird when I went there. In fact, it's integrated with all the mail clients that I've checked recently. Migrating was easy. And look, beyond just email, FastMail thoughtfully integrates your calendar and contacts if you want to, streamlining your daily tasks all into one place. Their features like massed email and scheduled send have revolutionized the way I manage my inbox. It's awesome. You can be like me and say goodbye to unwanted newsletters and hello to punctual controlled communication. So whether you're a solo entrepreneur or managing a growing team, FastMail has a plan tailored just for you. And if the idea of shifting to a new provider feels daunting, please rest assured FastMail's seamless import and export tool will make the transition super smooth. But what truly sets them apart is their human touch. Real people, real support, anytime you need it. They are awesome. With the added bonus of customizing folders, labels, themes, and so much more, FastMail truly becomes your personalized email hub. Why settle for less when the gold standard in email is right at your fingertips? Discover the FastMail difference. Visit FastMail.com slash MGG to get 10% off your first year. Don't forget to follow them on Facebook, X, Mastodon, and LinkedIn for updates. Again, fastmail.com slash MGG to get 10% off your first year. And our thanks to Fastmail for sponsoring this episode. And while I got you here, I want to share a great podcast for you. Leo Laporte hosts a show called This Week in Tech, one of the longest running tech news shows in the world. It launched in 2005 on twit.tv and in the 18 plus years since, They've covered every major tech story with some of the biggest names and smartest people by doing a deep dive into the biggest tech stories. A different panel of experts joins Leo every Sunday, bringing expert analysis, helpful advice, and entertaining discussions. You'll listen to every episode knowing more about what's happening in the tech world around you. And they deal with some of the biggest issues in the world today, not just the computing, Windows, Mac, and Linux, but AI, Twitter, slash X, cybersecurity, privacy search, and so much more. So visit twit.tv slash twit to subscribe to This Week in Tech. And thanks to Leo and the team over there for doing this swap with us. Dave, you should uh, send some questions over to them, the, the tech questions. Uh, or, yeah. Uh, you That's know right. what? Actually, I bet you could answer it yourself. Bill, want, Bill <laughs> wants to know about... 
his new computer. Should he nuke it? Should he migrate? Which of these? Yeah, Bill says, uh, I intend to buy a new iMac once updated models are released, which uh, was th- this email came in just prior to mm-hmm. Apple's announcement the other day. He says, my 2017 iMac is long in the tooth. I have always simply used a uh, migration assistant to set up a new Mac. And uh, I've never, ever started with a clean slate or nuked and paved or any of those things. I don't use many third-party apps as I've dumped Microsoft Office. The most important third-party apps I use are tax software uh, and printer scanner software for my HP all-in-one. Because of persistent Wi-Fi and Bluetooth problems that this iMac, uh, I think I have a hardware issue, but it might be a software issue. So I don't want to inherit that if, in fact, that's what it is. Quite frankly, the thought of not using Migration Assistant is quite unpleasant to me, he says. In addition to dealing with the above items, I'd have to go through settings and preferences to put everything back the way they're set up now. Um, So what do you recommend? So here's the thing. Um, It's relatively easy to punt and start over if you don't like the path you've chosen. And I say relatively because with Apple Silicon Macs, if you wipe the internal drive things start to get really funky in terms of restoring it and getting things back up it's doable apple has a path to walk down but it's not quite like it was with intel but you still can do it i just did it on my mac studio recently so it's it's doable um i do think it is a good thing to occasionally and you know maybe once every five years maybe once every 10 years but certainly at least once every 10 years i think it's a good idea to start over from scratch, to do the nuke and pave. Not only does it clean out all the cruft we can't see, right? The weird settings and preferences that might've gotten, you know, tied in knots over the years. It also cleans out the cruft we can see, right? Specifically all those apps that we have, you know, emotional attachment to, but we don't ever actually run anymore. Uh, It's nice to clean those out too. And my experience is, has been that the nuke and pave takes a lot less time than it used to. And for me, it's maybe an afternoon of getting things back up and running because I wind up installing half of the apps that I think I need. Basically my uh, philosophy when I do a nuke and pave and and I've done one fairly recently is to only install the apps that I need when I need them. Now I know going out of the gate. Okay. Well, if I'm going to be podcasting on this machine, I need, you know, audio hijack and various other things like whatever that's going to be. But other than that, I, and I do the same thing with a phone when I nuke and pave it, I just wait to install an app until it's like, oh, I need that. I'm going to put it on here and it keeps things cleaner, longer. I will eventually fill it all up with crap again. It's who <laughs> I am, but it's nice to know that I'm starting from scratch. So there's that. But. Just as much. And the thing is with nuking and paving, yes, to build to your point, you're going to have to go through and tweak all your settings again. That's not necessarily a bad thing either, because there's probably some options that weren't there the last time you made the decisions that you made about how you want to have things configured. So this gives you an opportunity to kind of think about those and be a little more intentional about it instead of just taking momentum. Syncing. And I talk about, you know, syncing being iCloud Drive, certainly, right? But also, whatever mail client or mail service you use is likely to be a syncing type engine, right? It's all stored on the server. Your clients just connect to it. Think about, you know, it's like, oh, I 
I got a new phone. I just, you know, logged into my mail account and all my mail was there. Well, the same thing's going to happen on your Mac, right? So, you know, if you have things in the on my Mac folders, those you would need to manually move over. But you, you know, like so much of our data is synced with the cloud now that you wind up pulling a lot of that stuff around. I would, though, I would move my mail folder over. Uh, I would in home library mail. I would move that whole folder to a new machine and then launch mail. It'll see it. It'll upgrade it. And that way you have everything, including all of your mail settings. If you don't want to have to go through setting all that stuff up again. Similarly, I would move my photos library over and point to that. I would move my music library over and point to that. And you can do that with a computer connected with a Thunderbolt cable. You can do it with a computer connected over a a network, like whichever way you want. Uh, As as simple as nuking and paving has gotten because of all of these things, migration assistant is also pretty darn good these days. And I don't recommend against it at all. In fact, I wind up using it more often than I would like to, because I'll wind up getting a new, like this year when I wound up having to get two new computers right away, you know, like lightning strike surprise, go spend a bunch of money. You've got two new computers. Well, I would have liked to plan for that and have done a rebuild from the ground up. I, I ain't like, I'm not a patient person. Nobody has time for patience, Pete. Right. And exactly. so, and so I, uh, I just migrated, I migrated over and it was fine. Like it works great. And it's super efficient. So uh, if it's been more than five years, I would strongly consider nuking and paving. Well, if, he said in his letter, never. That's the part of me that so, says props. Yeah. 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 I, 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 based on that, I would do it. And I think I told this story before on here, and I think it's been about five years now since it happened to me Yeah. when I bought that 20, I think it was, yeah, it was 2018, 16 inch MacBook pro Intel. Yep. Great machine. Absolutely love that machine until the M1 MacBook air came out. And well, smoked you know, <laughs> <laughs> but we won't talk about that here. Uh, <laughs> Well, we might talk about that next. Glenn's got a relevant question. Yeah, yeah, right. There's that. So, but but the thing is, is I actually had two of those machines because it was so gooned up. I wound up taking it back to Apple, and they swapped the machine out for me. Yeah, and it wasn't until I did a nuke and pave that all my problems went away. Ah, the heavens opened up, and the angels smiled, and. And my computer worked again. It just, it would, I'd get the blue screen of death. It would lock up the kernel panics, all that stuff. And it's like, what is going on here? And as soon as I got rid of migration assistant and went to a nuke and pave, everything was fine. So I was bringing something over from my old system. And so you're eliminating problems too, potentially. Yeah. I mean, in addition to Crufton. Yeah. You are causing yourself a little bit of, uh, you're inheriting some headache with that just yeah. it, just short term because you've got to do the work to get it set up but it's not as much work it, it at least it's not as much work as i convince myself it's going to be right. i did not i used migration assistant when i moved to this mac studio i probably did that because i convinced myself that a nuke and pave was something i didn't have time for the reality is i did a nuke and pave on the it its predecessor last year year before and you know it was like a morning and then i was done so it's just not that bad especially if you got a backup again that you can just copy things over. that's probably the easiest way 
to copy your mail, your photos, your your music is to back them back up the whole drive, right? You know, or your data drive right. with like carbon copy cloner and then plug that drive into your new computer and and copy the things over. That's going to truly be the simplest way to do that. Bill did right. ask about, you know, his all-in-one printer and that sort of thing. You just got to check the drivers from the manufacturer. I think he said it was an HP. So, um and and they may or may not be compatible with the new OS. Like it, that's that's the the issue. If if they're compatible at this, you know, if you're running Sonoma on your old computer, then they're going to work with Sonoma on your new computer most likely. But you know, I I I years ago replaced my HP all in one because I couldn't get Mac drivers for it anymore for the the scanning portion. It still wow. works great as a printer. But okay. I'd had the thing for like 15 years. Like it didn't owe me anything, but right. it still right. works as a printer and a copier. And it's over at the house and we love having a laser printer at the house. Like, you know, so like, yeah, yeah, these things are it's just how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Glenn, uh, I mentioned, asked uh, a question. He says, um, I've got uh, an Intel Mac running uh, with with 1.5 of its two terabytes available. So he's using half a terabyte of storage. Okay. Uh, he's been on this machine for two years. Great. He says, I use this machine for work. It's my small company. And I run with two HP 27-inch screens, the Mac open on a pedestal, and my iPad as an extra screen in addition to that. I keep a lot of apps open while working, QuickBooks, Outlook, Slack, Fantastical, Apple Mail, ScanSnap, OnePassword, et cetera, et cetera, uh, while bringing up other apps as needed, like Excel, Word, or PDF Elements. Looking at all of this, he says, I'm trying to decide between an M3 Max MacBook Pro, so one of the ones just released this week, and a, um, you know, I don't have a trackpad on this computer, so I can't scroll to the right, or at least not easily, and... Mm -hmm. A uh, an M2 Max Mac Studio, and he says I go to the office one day a week, and I need a laptop when I'm there because everybody else runs on a PC, and occasionally I need the laptop for other things that the iPad is not suited for. I've never tried to keep two machines in sync, which would potentially become more difficult if one of them is an Intel chip. He says, uh, I I don't think so. Uh, all the syncing engines are are platform agnostic at at the moment. Uh, he says, I think it would be a simpler choice if um, the Mac were, uh, you know, a, a M1. He says, it's nice to save money, but I'd rather make the best decision for the next three and a half, three to five years uh, for my thing. So uh, I, I think I, based on what he's saying and he needs a laptop, I think going with the laptop is the right choice. Uh, as, as I said, as far as syncing, really everything works quite well these days. Um, keeping them in sync. You know, we just mentioned that documents and mail and all of that are sort of naturally syncing. If you're using a third-party app like Dropbox, that's going to also do your syncing. Uh, if you've got two Macs, keeping your apps in sync is not something that happens automatically, but I love the app called Mac Updater from Core Code. It, oh, yeah. Right. It's so great. I, you know, I run three Macs on a regular basis, right? The one here in the studio, the one in the office, and then my, my laptop, my Air. And by having Mac Updater on there, I can keep all the apps up to date so that when I go to run something that I haven't run for a while on one of them, it's not woefully out of date. 
it, you know, it's not telling me it's time to update. I'm already done and it's good to go. So I, yeah, I think even if you want to keep the Intel machine going alongside your M1 or uh, whatever, sorry, the M3, the Apple Silicon machine, I, I think you're going to be fine in terms of the syncing. He asked uh, if he should get a one terabyte drive or a two terabyte drive. He has a two terabyte now, as he said, he's only using half a gigabyte, half a terabyte, sorry, 500 gigabytes. I would go with the one terabyte. But I often have gone with the two terabyte just because. I almost went with the two terabyte in my current machine. But, you know, I just, if you're even a little bit careful, you're going to be just fine for you're the most part. Fine. Well, it's it's everybody's individual, right? It's the yep. use case. Yep. But if he's only using a half a terabyte now, I don't see that jumping. I, no. Especially I, once you do a nuke and pave and you don't bring all your crud over. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, I, that's 100 gigs right there. <laughs> I'm I'm the same way. I, um, I, I have two machines that have two terabytes in them, my mm-hmm. Air and my Mini in the office. And it's because I did not spec out those machines. They are machines that I effectively bought used from another person a trusted person, but another, you know, two different people in the, from each machine. But, you know, it was like, I have this used machine that's perfect for you. Great. Yep. I'll take it. Good to go. Like I'm, I'm you know, off to the races. They spec it out with two terabytes. Uh, obviously it's not going to be a problem. The same kind of thing happened when I bought the Mac studio here. Uh, it was, it wasn't used, but it was old stock of the M one max Mac studio. And it was base model. So it has, uh, I think it's got 32 gigs of RAM and a 512 gigabyte drive. And you know what? It's also fine. Like I, it's a Mac studio, so I'm not carting it around. I have an external drive that I save all my audio to and all, all that stuff anyway. And it's Thunderbolt. So it's going at, you know, 2,400 megabytes a second or whatever. It's totally, once I configured everything, I don't think about the, the limited size of the internal drive. So yeah, I think you're going to be fine with it. And and I'd say you guys had a nice discussion on 1007 about that very subject as to which, you know, what do you need? Go, go with the lowest you need and you'll be, (laughs) these machines are so amazing. Yep. You don't need much. You know, they're the base machines are just rocking anymore. So going, going with an M1 and, yeah, I, I wouldn't chintz on the size of the drive to less than a terabyte, but that's just me. And and maybe go with 16 gigs of memory, but even that is a lot. You know, I, the, eight, I, the base model machines seem to, it depends what you're doing, right? If you do a lot of video and that sort of thing, then you're going to want want more memory. And, I don't know. I, I This is where I, I would, and I know I've said that eight is enough and it most people prove that it's enough. And I, I agree with it except the day that I'm buying a computer. And that's when I buy with a minimum of 16. I just can't bring myself to do the eight because I keep computers and I repurpose them. And even if I'm not using it, it's handed down to a family member. And so, you know, a 10 year shelf life for, of a 10 year service life of a computer is pretty normal for me. And so that's why I buy the 16. 
uh, at the as a minimum. For Fair me. enough. Yeah, and and I will say this: I'm looking forward to the M4 chip already. So, Glenn, if you'll go buy an M3 today, the M4 will be out next week for all of us. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It kind of kind of how it works. Uh, speaking of memory issues, and I just want to I I I um I'll link to the thread that I started in our Discord about it. I have been having issues with, I've been really happy with Sonoma. As I said on the last episode, I've been having issues with Safari chewing up memory like crazy. I think it started with 14.1, but I can't say for certain, but I'm pretty sure that it did and slowing just like making it so that even if I'm in another app typing, my computer is just like slow AF. And then I quit Safari and everything's fine. I relaunched Safari and it's fine, but it's using, you know, four, five, six gigs of memory. And so I'm curious if, and if so, how many others out there are seeing the same thing or if it's like, do I have a problem with my mini that I need to troubleshoot and solve? So it, it it's, it's been a little interesting and, and obviously frustrating. It, I'm, I'm quitting and relaunching Safari once or twice an hour. Which oh, seems yeah. like a lot. Yeah, it does. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I think we can agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just, so I don't Chrome, Dave. Um, I could. It, yeah, it would take a lot. It would take less yeah. than I'm telling myself it would take, but it would take a lot. Um, yeah. so I don't know. Like maybe, but I I want to figure it out. I want to know if this is a systemic problem with fourteen point one. Or if it's just I have something going on and maybe it's time to nuke and pave that computer. I don't like the idea of it, but it's not as bad as I think. I just need to take my own advice. Right now. There you go. Yep. All right. Yep. Shall we go to Neil? Let's do it. All right. He writes in, gentlemen, a question. Despite the too many Macs I have owned over the years, I have never used Migration Assistant. Always preferring to... wait. Did we just cover this? No, no. kind of. Okay. I, I put all yeah, these together of, okay. because they're, yeah, they're related. I, I understand. I'm back with you now. No, no, no. <laughs> like, it's, it's like it's three questions to, to have a migrating to new Max yeah, discussion. It's, it's yeah. deja vu all over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I so, argue. I thought about reading all three of these questions and then just having a discussion. But, there you, you know, okay. six of one. Yeah. Yeah. Then, and, but always preferring to set up a new Mac by hand, installing and configuration each uh, application and configuring each application and configuration. As I am now faced with a relatively rapid migration of a MacBook Air that was only recently acquired but is being adopted by one of the kids to another MacBook Air, I was thinking Migration Assistant would make sense as there is little cruft to be cleared out in the new setup. What I was wondering is whether Migration Assistant is safe to use with things like Synology Drive, pretty much everything on my MacBook Air is synced to the via Synology Drive, to obviously my Synology, as well as my desktop Mac Studio. Can I expect things to just work, or would it be better to perhaps migrate only apps and then let Synology drive, bring down the data from the Synology on its own? Yeah, I think, files... I, think we can, I think we can stop the question okay. there. Right. Yeah, 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 because okay. we've sort of covered the, the rest of it. Um, yeah. The Thank you, Neil. Yeah, and thank you for reading it, Pete. Um, yes, the answer is it's a non-issue. It, it it were Intel, Apple Silicon, Synology Drive is it's just going to do its job, and the same is true for Dropbox and all the other third party syncing agents that we've encountered over the years. It's just going to be Migration Assistant 
It moves the folder of data over. It also moves the app over and it moves the app apps preferences over. And it looks and says, good to go. I do remember a time, and this may still be true, where Dropbox would throw up a flag and say, hey, I noticed that the serial number or the identifier of the drive that I'm syncing to changed. Please confirm that you want me to resume syncing to this folder on what appears to be a new drive. And you would say, yes, you you saw correctly. Everything's good. But that was the extent of the friction. And it was very uh, upfront. It wasn't something where it was like, you know, three weeks later, you realize, oh, my God, I'm not syncing. This is a, a disaster. No, it's not a disaster. It's fine. So, um, yeah, no, the, the answer is yes. Synology Drive and every other third party syncing engine that we've looked at is totally fine at surviving a migration assistant migration. So, yeah, clearly a lot of big brains spend a lot of time yeah, to make this work going from Intel to, to Apple. And, and that too. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even, even just like, yeah, just, just from Mac to Mac, regardless, yeah. it, it really is a non-issue. Yeah. So yeah. Good question. Uh, Lock Tutor in our Discord at MacGeekab.com slash Discord asked, has anyone found a truly awesome program to organize years worth of photos? I'd love to be able to browse through my photos and use a hotkey or something fast to quickly tag a photo as I'm going or group of photos as I'm going through. Do you know of anything? Pete? Ooh, ooh, pick me, Dave. Yes, yeah, Pete. Yeah. I see you over there. <laughs> I got it. You may have heard of this. It's called photos it, i know it really is they yeah. do an amazing job with this the apple photos app uh if you go to the window menu at the top go to window and then keyword manager when you've got photos open or you could even hit command k and that will bring up the keyword manager then type type a, a new keyword or you, there's down at the bottom, you hit edit keywords. And let's say I have a son named Mac. M-A-C. Go figure. <laughs> Wait, this is I a like word we all know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, so that's one of them. You type the word, keyword Mac and it comes up and boom. Well, but how to make it even faster? Well, you drag it up to what's called a quick group. So from the bottom of the keyword manager, you drag that tag up to the quick group. And then the M becomes the quick key in order to quickly take. So any photo you select with the keyword manager open, then go into select five photos of my son. And I just then hit the M and it tags all five of those photos with the keyword Mac. This is amazing. I, I, um, I, I, I've never, you, you had queued this up in the agenda yeah. last week or something. And I was like, yeah. I don't know what the heck he's talking about. Yeah. Because I didn't know what the heck you were talking about. So, so we're about. looking at your screen. So take family and drag it up to the top. T drag it above well, the Well, I can't know that. You're, we're, oh, yeah. you're looking at an article I found on iDownload oh, blog gotcha. about okay. this so because I wanted to visualize do, it. Yeah. yeah. So in order, if, if you this were to do it, take that tag and drag it up above the word keywords. Yeah, no, it, it's like and a, just it a. it becomes one, one letter. It would, in this uh, case, it would probably be the letter F, F for family. And, and if right. you had another one that said friends, then it would probably default to R being yeah, the next man. letter in the word to, to tag quickly tag friends. And then you just start typing and then yes, yeah, select, select, select 20 photos, hit the letter M and those photos of Mac are all tagged with Mac. 
Which, of course, you don't have to do because photos would set detect his face and probably well, do that face, differently. Sure. But, maybe, but, but I maybe get what you're saying. back but, to me in that, in that yeah. particular photo. But yeah, yeah. I know it's him anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, I, I, I was blown away. Or, I didn't even know about the keyword manager. Like, that. that's where yeah. I'm starting with this. The quick tag yeah. thing, like, that makes perfect sense if there were to be a keyword manager. And it turns out that, Pete, you just conjured up a keyword manager in the Photos app on all of my Macs. Because until you mentioned it, I had no idea that it existed. So you're welcome. We ring the bell. Yeah. Bing. Yeah. Yeah. I've been using it for years and love it. Absolutely love it. They did. They've done a really nice job. So yeah. I'm really glad that you put this in the the, the agenda. Like this is and oh. and 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 like lobbied for it to be in the show. Like, like I, I just yeah yeah amazing yeah what he asked i'm like well yeah this is this is what i use and it's great i know <laughs> this is the beauty and and you and you put it in as a quick tip and now i understand why because it's one of those things that if you know about it well it's super easy it's, and if you yeah. don't then it's hidden from you forever until somebody right. shows it to you yeah. yeah yeah all right cool uh i think we got time for one more question and we'll do some cool stuff found and all that stuff you want to take us to dj pete we can, I, I, I can so do. I will do so at this time. The Amazing. problem is, uh, hang on, where did it go? You want me to take That's, us to DJ? Wait, wait a minute. I, I'm coming, Dave. I'm coming. Where did I hide it? Was it notes? There it is. There's DJ. Notes. He says, I'd like to be able to, well, in, in a message, hit a button and have a task set in reminders to reply to this email. Perhaps there's a better workflow than this, but I tend to drive my day from reminders. A, I'm interested in if this is possible and B I'm interested in hearing how others manage this perhaps entirely within the email client. Thanks for any feedback. By the way, I'm evaluating Postbox client, the Postbox client. And this was one thing I was looking for and didn't find. Okay. I know that there are relatively straightforward ways of doing this in mail. Do I have mail open on this computer? I don't, and I don't want to launch it for fear of uh, screwing up my, my audio. See you next week, Dave. <laughs> um, but it, it really does depend on the mail client. And, and you're saying that Postbox does not do this. So I start thinking about shortcuts, right? What is the hour? Well, I really, what I start thinking about is how is this app integrated with Mac OS frameworks, you know, is, does it directly support shortcuts or Apple script? If it does, then you could probably trigger something to take the data about the highlighted message and, or script something to take the data about the highlighted message and then create a reminder from that. That would be doable with either Apple script or shortcuts, or even a combination of the two, uh, triggering such a thing is not built into Mac OS. We don't have a way of, of like pushing a button to trigger a script like we do on say uh, iOS. However, we do have third-party apps to do that. And I use Keyboard Maestro all the time to mm -hmm. trigger shortcuts or Apple scripts or even just other things inside of apps. So you could... Um, I, I would I would look at this from a technologically agnostic way. So making sure that you can do whatever you need to do without it needing to rely on the app integrating with the Mac, right? So you create a workflow where you copy something to the clipboard, right? The the subject of the message, whatever you want it to be, and then use Keyboard Maestro to invoke whatever you've created and what you would create is a shortcut 
that will create a reminder with the text from the clipboard. And this is pretty simple. You, 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 you use shortcuts. You say, get, uh, get the contents of clipboard and then, you know, create reminder and pump the contents of the clipboard into the reminder note. And like, you're good to go. Uh, if your mail client lets you copy a URL to the link to that message, which you can do in like mail, but I don't know if you can do in Postbox, then that could be in your reminder as the URL. And then you would just click it and it would bring you right back to the message. But that depends on whether the mail client allows you to do that. And then you just trigger it. And it's it's very similar to what we do here to process the show. In fact, DJ asked this question in Discord. And so what I did, I, I posted a little answer in Discord to get the conversation going. And uh, then I took a screenshot to my clipboard of DJ's question. That's what Pete just read. Once I knew it was on my clipboard, which I did with, you know, if you do screenshots, well, if you use the, the manager, the command shift five, that lets you decide where you're going to put it. That's that's the easy way. I do it with like, um, command control shift four, and that puts it on the clipboard. There's a million different ways of doing it, but I got the, I got the screenshot on the clipboard and then I used keyboard maestro to invoke a shortcut that builds a note in the Mac geek gab prep notes folder. And what does it populate the note with the contents of my clipboard? So now I have DJ's thing in there. And then also my answer, cause I copied and pasted both and it was good to go. So this is, it's pretty straightforward to do these kinds of things with shortcuts and once you've done one of them, it's it's really like drag and drop in shortcuts. If you've never done it, I, I welcome you to try it because it's I encourage you to try it because it's going to open up the world for you in terms of how you get to think about solving these kinds of things. Once you understand, even at a very basic level, how shortcuts works and then think about the idea of triggering a shortcut with a keyboard maestro, uh, uh, you know, keyboard shortcut. Now you can do all kinds of things just really quickly and it can be really fun. So, and if you're new to all of that and it, you just don't grok it and it seems undoable, there's this chat GPT thing you can ask and it will tell you, oh yeah, do this, write it this way, set it up. It, it's an amazing instructor. Yeah. Yeah. You're not wrong. So yeah, yeah. you're not wrong. Uh, I want to jump to doing some cool stuff found if we oh, may. Yeah, man, let's do it. The, the, before we do that though, I want to take a minute as we have been doing as of late and thank our, uh, uh everyone who has contributed to our premium, uh, Mackie cab premium, uh, contribution system, donation system. I forget. I, I don't even know what the right term to call it is support system. Uh, in the last week and, and change since we've recorded here. So, uh, and you can learn about it at MacGeekUp.com slash premium. It is, of course, not mandatory. It is very much appreciated. Simply listening to the show is an amazing way to support the show. Sharing it with other people is yet an, another step you can take. Sending in your questions and stuff to feedback at MacGeekUp.com is, uh, you know, yet another way. Well, wait, where? Feedback at MacGeekUp.com? It's feedback at MacGeekUp.com. Uh, That's okay. right. But... If you are able and interested, we also will happily take your contributions directly. And that can all happen at MacGeekCab.com slash premium. In the last week-ish, we have had $10 contributions from 
Oh, I got to get the screen up the right way. Paul from Lawrenceville, Stephen from Plainfield, Gary from Babylon, John from Vienna, Stephen from Costa Mesa, James from Melbourne, Olga from Bellevue, Nick from Mount Clemens, Robert from Columbiana, and Jason from Charlestown. Uh, we have had a one-time $24 contribution from uh, Glenn in New York, and then we have had $25 contributions from Gary in McKee's Rocks, James in Scoresby, Charles in Mechanicsburg, really it's Chuck in Mechanicsburg, Janes from Charlotte, Chris in Nailsworth Stroud. Oh, I like these names. Uh, Laura from Spokane Valley, Steve from Santa Fe, Ken from somewhere in the land, Thomas from Chicago, and Jurgen from Velderstadt. I think I've got that right. Uh, and then a $30 contribution from Barbara in Hanahan and a $50 contribution from Richard in Salem. Thank you to you all. And thanks to everyone who is a premium subscriber. It really does mean a lot to uh, Pete and I and the team here. It really, it helps us Absolutely. do what we do. Oh, yeah. yeah. It, our oh, sponsors huge. also help us do what we do. Visiting our sponsors absolutely helps whether or not you buy from them is sort of between you and them, obviously. But uh, but simply, you know, our job is to convince you, encourage you, entice you to visit them and learn more. And uh, hopefully we can do that and that, you know, you can help us that way, too. So it all works together and, uh, and, and we get to keep doing what we do here. And I love doing what we do here because we get to share quick tips. We get to answer your questions and we get to do cool stuff. Found now, it. now, if you aren't donating to the show, we're about to cost you some money. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some of these things are free. Um, some are. Yeah. And uh, uh, the, the first one comes from Andrew, who says, uh, I know you like BB edit for removing formatting from copied text, Dave. There's an app that I use all the time for this and have done for years. And it's so cool. I felt I had a moral obligation to share it. It is called Plain Clip from BlueM.net. Of course, everything is linked from MacGeekCab.com. Plain Clip is a faceless app. When you run it, it removes formatting and other stuff from the text on your clipboard. Oh, nice. To invoke it, you can click on its icon in the dock or call it up with Alfred or Spotlight or however you like to launch apps. However you invoke it, when you do, you don't see anything happen at all. But then when you paste... All the formatting is stripped out. You don't need to have plain clip running. It quits itself instantly. Ah, so this is a one and done. So it's a good thing because I'm thinking, you know, you want to copy over. You need that formatting and it's gone. Where'd it go? So it's okay. (laughs) So you put something on the clipboard, you invoke plain clip, and then you go and paste. Now I'm thinking I could set up keyboard maestro to have one keystroke that launches plain clip and then also pastes. Yep. Oh, right. So absolutely uh, sexy. I like it. Okay, good. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, good stuff. I like this. This is, see, these are things that I like. I could probably also convince keyboard maestro all by itself to take the contents of the clipboard, strip out all the formatting, replace the clipboard and then paste it. Too, I think that's probably also doable. I gotta now. You have see, to hold your tongue just right to get that, keyboard maestro is, to do it by itself. This is one <laughs> of those things where I'd kind of like holding my tongue in that way. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's, I'm a nerd. You. I'm that kind of yeah. nerd. So yeah. yeah, yeah, yep. Um, Jed tells us about something that is going to cost us some money, or at least that was his warning. He says this is a very cool stuff found, but it costs some coin. It's called texts. 
And it's from Automatic, the company that makes WordPress. It consolidates WhatsApp, Messages, Slack, Instagram, and other DM-type messaging engines into one app for your macOS desktop. It doesn't have an iOS companion yet, he doesn't think. The good part, he says, I'm finding it's helping me with focus. Instead of leaving Slack and Messages and WhatsApp open, I have one app, and it's really working for me. Obviously, results may vary. Consult your physician. The bad, it is in beta, and it's a subscription at $12 a month. Uh, he says they don't have Google chat yet, though they say it's on the way. I got to test, test this out. Like I, the, I trust the automatic people to build a quality product, right? I mean, obviously WordPress is, you know, very stable and has been around for years. And so, yeah, huh? Yeah. Jed's going to cost me some money. That's this for sure. Yep. Yep. All right. Thanks, Jed. It's, it happens. It's fine. It's fine. Yep. Uh, Pete, you got one. I, I do. Uh, I got this on Amazon and I'm really stoked. It's a, it's a two in one wireless charger for my iPhone, my Apple watch and my AirPods, even though it's only two in one. Okay. <laughs> it, it will do obviously anything that does magnetic, uh, chi oh. charging. It, it will charge. So, but it, um, it charges two devices at a time, but you could yes. use it. For, I see. I got you. Okay. Yes. Yep. All right. So and yeah, so we would call it, that a two in one. Yep. Yeah. So it comes with a, uh, an electrical adapter and then an A to C USB cable. Uh, the, the C end plugs into the adapter, adapter, adapter into the, the charger. charger itself. Okay. <laughs> and the A plugs and, into the wall wart that they give you. Yes. Got it. Yes. Got and it. then it, it can lay flat. It can, be held up as a pyramid the if you lay it flat you can flip up the little part that charges the watch so that in order to uh, let me pull it up for those watching on the screen uh you can flip up the part for the watch all right so this lays flat this reminds me of kind of the old apple thing that they don't make anymore where there were like two circles and one of them did your watch and one of them did your phone right exactly and and but this takes it to a different place because the part that does your phone has a magnetic ring. So while I'm sure, how much is it? It's uh, on sale on Amazon and it was when I bought it uh, and it still is today, 1999. Okay. So it's, show it's definitely not mag safe in Apple's right. terminology. Cause they'd have to pay the Apple tax and then this thing would be a hundred bucks. Right. Uh, but it is magnetic. It's the size of a coaster. Yeah. Folded up. Uh, so it's great for travel. Slip in the bag, super lightweight. Yep. And, and then the, uh, a little piece pops out of the bottom of the phone one, and then it magnetically holds together. So it there's your. So you can hold your phone watching. and your watch up, and it forms like a little pyramid on the bedside of your hotel yes. be- bed. But you're not. But but it just travels super flat. It does. Oh, it's dude. Uh, really uh, the size of a thick coaster. Dang it! You're going to cost and, me money too. I know, right? But uh, and I got a. I got a few of them. There's some stocking stuffers heading oh, my family's these are way. Great stocking stuffers. Yeah. yeah. So um, okay. it uh, input is uh, five volts, three amps, or nine volts, two amps, and then the output is ten watts, seven and a half watts. Yeah. Uh, five watts and two and a half watts. And so far, I I love it. It's it's huh. been a great piece of gear. The one caution I will give you on this is this one says it is not for uh samsung and slash android products oh, it's just don't use with and i don't know why why it wouldn't work 
maybe they don't they don't want to support it but it, you, when you open the box there's a warning right there hey send it back wow if you're okay. using it with an android send it back <laughs> not any android but samsung or, only uh, i think i think that's what it said i think it said samsung in the in the on the card that you showed me with samsung branded devices that's right. correct it says right. warning not compatible with samsung branded devices please apply for return before use wow all right. Send well, it back. <laughs> they know. Yeah, that's so, fine. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sure. Yeah. Huh. So cool. Um, yeah. I'm super pleased with it. And it replaces probably about four cables. <laughs> yeah. No, for travel, like yeah. one. Yeah, 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 man. No, this is. And the fact that it'll do 10 watts, that, that's great. Like that's, you know, it's not the 15 that you could get from MagSafe, but it also is not going to, you know, overheat your phone. And like it, it's for overnight. Right. doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh. Porthos John shares our next cool stuff found. He says, uh, while a lot of the uh, mesh systems like Eero and Unify and others claim to be able to plan your Wi-Fi network for you and adjust it, NetSpot just came out with NetSpot version 3. This is now my go-to software for looking at Wi-Fi networks, both home and in the office. You can use it on the Mac out of the box he says, I uploaded a map of my house that I had previously created and then walked around with my MacBook Pro and clicked on the map as it recorded all the Wi-Fi info for each location that I was standing in. Uh, the recommendation it builds after you map are awesome. It says they now have an iOS app too, but you need to buy their Pry dongle to make it work because it can't see the, the data about mm. uh, Wi-Fi in, in that way. There's a free trial in the Mac App Store. But you can also go to their site and buy the full desktop app for a $49 home license. And they offer a perpetual upgrade option as a $19 add on. I've used NetSpot before, but this sounds like it's doing more than just giving you information. It's now making recommendations. And that's cool. I also asked Porthos John, what did you create the map of your home with? Because that is something I don't have. He says it was a while ago. He says, I think I started trying it in some home layout software and got really annoyed. So I went back and tried OmniGraffle and did it there. So we'll put a link to OmniGraffle. He says, uh, I did resolution to one inch on my measurements of my house and then just output the floor, each floor as a PDF from OmniGraffle. Okay. Uh, what's interesting yeah. is he says, and obviously that's going to take a little bit of work to go around your house with a tape measure mm -hmm. and, you know, measure it out. Although... You know, your iPhone is going to get close. The measure app on your iPhone is actually pretty oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. I wonder, wait a minute. The iPhone can do this. If you know of an app that you could run on your phone oh, and, right. and measure your house, let us know. Feedback at MacGeekUp.com. And if you don't know of that app, let us know and we'll try and convince somebody to make it because I would pay for that app. Like that's going to save me hours of trying to like build this in OmniGraffle. Not right. that OmniGraffle is difficult, but it, to, to, to sort of wet your whistles about this, he says, I did that a while back along with vertical renders so that whenever we do any project in the house, if it involves the size of the floor or wall space, I have all of it already calculated at my fingertips. Having just gone through two kitchen, two bathroom remodels and still in the midst of a freaking kitchen remodel, I want my kitchen back. We haven't had a kitchen since September, so it's been a little while. It's been a minute. Uh, I would have loved to have these measurements 
somewhere where they're just stored. In fact, it, I know we had the kitchen professionally measured because you, you have to when you're you know buying cabinets and <laughs> specking it out. And I need yeah. to take that and capture it somewhere so that we like you know we have it. But I need to do it for the whole house. While huh. you were talking, I went and I looked, and it looks yeah. like there might be a couple. Okay. Um, One's called Magic Plan. It says it's the number one residential contractor app for the field. Instantly create and share floor plans, field reports, and estimates on site. And then another one looks like Room Plan. Okay. Which is more of an augmented reality. All right. New Swift API that utilizes the camera and LiDAR scanner on the iPhone and iPad to create 3D floor plan of a room. Room Plan looks to be an Apple developer um uh, uh, framework. Oh yes. Like, is is this an app or is it the framework? No. Of yeah, the no. App? I think it's the API framework. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Then, but then there's Room Planner below that. Was so you got know, it. Google. I, I, that was just a quick Google. Yeah. No. So, it, yeah. 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 But, All right. Uh, we'll put the links for yeah. those in the yeah Room Planner appear is the 3D interior design app. Okay. Yeah. So it would be. I'm really curious. It will mess with some of these and 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 you can too and let us yeah. know. So. I did note I had one and I forget the name of it now because it made me delete it uh, when I went to the iPhone 15 because the, the camera on that thing is amazing, by the way, yeah. <laughs> the, the 15 yeah, Pro. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it was kind of, it was a cool camera app. I could take a picture. It it would stitch together. It would just have you stop, you know, move a little bit, stop, and you could do uh, 360 overhead down to your feet and turn around in the middle of the room and and. And then when the picture was done, all you had to do was move your phone around. It was like you were standing in the room looking around. Oh. And yeah, but it's gone now. They've it's they've stopped development on it. But Got I it. wonder if there's any more like that. Yeah, yeah. Let but us that know. That doesn't give it's you the measurements. A, it's I mean, there's all of yeah. these things like are are technologically possible. So sure. uh, let's say Jim Jim has fun in Discord. Says uh, at my work, we have this 3D camera that makes walkthroughs and lays out the rooms of a building as a floor plan. And it uses an iPhone app called Matterport, M-A-T-T-E-R. Uh, port. Yeah. So we'll put a link to that in the show notes too, simply so uh, I feel like we've mentioned Matterport before. It sounds familiar. I would have thought Matter had something to do more with the uh, whole. Yeah, I think this kit, app but... has existed long before the the uh, term Matter was applied there. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, I have one last cool stuff found. It's something I, I found at Pepcom. I was there about a week uh, ago. And it is the new GE Sync uh, CYNC bulbs that are that have dynamic effects. These are smart bulbs. And they I, I've got one of the just sort of normal uh, size bulbs. It's 20 bucks for the A19 bulb. I think it's an A19. Whatever, whatever your normal bulb is. And what's re- it's a Wi-Fi bulb. You can you know you launch the Sync app and connect it up to your Wi-Fi, and then you can control it with the, like the A Lady and all that good stuff. Um, but these dynamic effects bulbs, and they have a whole series of them. They've got light strips and all kinds of stuff. You can display up to four colors at once on the same bulb, and have the bulb in and of itself play like a light show and sync to your music. And so I've actually got this one sort of outside it, it, in an enclosed thing. Like it's, it's weatherproofed, but it's out by the hot tub and it's actually really kind of cool to have, you know, like different patterns and stuff happening on the, uh, on the patio out there. So, uh, Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's cool. 
it's it's weird to see multiple colors coming from the same bulb. Like uh, they've, yeah. they've done a good job with this. Yeah, yeah. So I wanted to make sure we shared that. And, and the the that bulb is twenty bucks for one. So uh, not you know very fairly priced for that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. Considering we did the Philips Hughes weren't weren't they like forty to start? They're down a little bit, but they were, they were more than that. Pete, uh, they yeah. were like fifty. I remember. I remember buying a four pack of Philips Hughes. Oh, you had to buy the little, the, the base for it too. Like this is all Wi Fi. You're good to go. But, um, buying the Philips Hughes in a base and it was like over 200 bucks, but this was a long time ago. I mean, it prices come down. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's all still. Yeah, man. Yep. Pete, guess what? Oh, I'm thinking the band may be wanting to knock on your door. Yeah. Yeah, because we made it through the show, despite getting up at O-Dark 30 to fly to your midnight snack meal (laughs) at the diner on the other side of the state, where we made it through the show. Hopefully, I will remember how to publish the show uh, before I pass out from exhaustion, and then everybody else gets to hear it, too. Hopefully, I've pressed record. It looks like I did. So, (laughs) yeah, yeah. I have my setup here. In a, in a in a lot of ways, idiot proof. It's almost impossible for me to be here with the podcast set up going without it automatically just recording for me. Right. So it it is, and it's also part of my pre-flight checklist. So now, worst case, yeah. If you did forget, yeah. Streamyard's recording it anyway. We use Streamyard as our our VoIP engine. It's how Pete and I connect. It also, we we connect over video too. You can watch the video either while we're recording. Uh, go to macgeekup.com slash calendar. I, I know today's got messed up. It's because it Apple doesn't like to sync things, but I fixed it again. Um, but that'll tell you when. Or you can just go to macgeekup.com slash YouTube, and all of our shows are there, and you can watch them there. But also, like this one is episode one thousand eight. You just go to mgg.fm slash 1008 or com and click on the one that says 1008. That brings you there. And we've got the YouTube embedded right in the article for the show. So you've got show notes you can click on and it's all, we try to do this for you because, you know, yeah, we, we like to help. It's like the whole point is to learn something and be able to click on links and go and do stuff. And so we like to make it as easy as we can for you. In fact, my ask of you for this week is to go to MacGeekGab.com and sign up for our newsletter. We do not spam you. We simply send out the show notes as an email every week, so you don't even have to go to the website. The links are literally right there in your inbox to all of the stuff. You You get to pick which ones you're going to go and click on and research. And, you know, I said before you can... Visit our sponsors. Our sponsors links are in the show notes, so therefore they are in the email right there. Makes the life super easy. The only thing we don't do is open your jaw and jam it down your throat. Yeah, because that's not but our we style. We get them right to you. No, yeah. but we get them right to you. Yeah. All you have to do is open your mouth and eat them because they yeah. come right to you. Served. That's right. They're Serve served. Them up. They're served right up. So please go sign up for that newsletter, and we do keep you posted about things like our the hangouts that we do, you know, every, let's say six weeks. That seems to be about what the schedule is. Whenever we do them though, you'll learn about them there. We, we try to keep you posted on that kind of stuff, but it's, it's low volume and no spam. We promise. We promise. We promise. It's, it's not, but we, I like spam. Well, we you can eat spam in mine. You can, we can, you want me to come over and shove spam in your mouth, Pete? <laughs> spam, 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 spam. <laughs> oh boy, folks, we've done it now. Thank you for hanging out with us. Make sure to go listen to our other shows. I do two other shows. I do 
a show called Gig Gab for musicians and a show called Business Brain for entrepreneurs. Pete does a show called So There I Was for uh, pilots, aviation enthusiasts. Enthusiasts. Yeah. yeah, and I got to sit with a lot of Pete's fans this morning uh, at, at at our midnight snack. So, yeah. thanks for hanging out with us. So go check those out. Those are also linked from the show notes. And uh, yeah, go, and, and thanks to Fastmail at fastmail.com. Fastmail not dot com. Maybe it is also dot com, but I think they told me to say. What did they tell me to say? Fastmail dot com. Yes, slash mgg. Get ten percent off your first year. Thanks for hanging out. Good stuff. Indeed. And go share the show. Tell someone else about it. Yeah. What else uh, What else should they make sure that they do or don't do, Pete? After you share the show and tell someone what a great show it is, make sure that they understand that you had nothing to do with it so that you don't get caught. Made up.